This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. This is the Blitz 1170. All right, you heard Travis there. We talked about it a few moments ago, but tomorrow night... They're expecting the wind chill to be in the minus 20 to minus 30 range, which, buddy, that sucks. I don't know any other way to put it. That sounds horrific. Uh, so everyone had better get all of their stuff done today when you get home. Make sure those faucet covers are on and you're not having to worry about anything else because uh, I don't know what can last beyond minus 20 or minus 30, especially in this state when it comes to windshield. All right, let's hit up that Oklahoma Ford Dealers hotline and welcome in Dusty Dvorak joining us now here on the Blitz 1170. What's up, Dusty? How are you today, man? I'm doing fantastic. Just trying to get the last of my Christmas shopping done and figure out how I'm going to deal with this Arctic blast that's about to swoop in and take over the country. So how about this from Phil Yates? Saturday. Have you seen this uh this tweet that he put out, I believe it was either last night or today. But no. He has the, the current estimates for the feels-like temperature at kickoff of some of the outdoor games on Saturday. How about mild stomping grounds? Bills at the Bears, negative 11. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you, you've, got, you've got Saints at Browns, negative 9. Oof. Seahawks at Chiefs, negative 6. Raiders at Steelers, negative four. It does warm up a bit for the Titans, uh, Texans at Titans at five degrees and really might get a little balmy uh, there in Baltimore. Falcons at Ravens, <laughs> seven degrees. And that has never felt so warm Oof. as when you compare it to some of those other temperatures. So, wow, it is going to be absolutely frigid here and all over the country as we take in. Uh, some some football here this coming weekend. What's the coldest temperatures that you played in, whether it's college or when you were in Chicago? So I don't know what the temp was. We played Green Bay my third year uh, up in in um, Wisconsin, and I want to say the feels like was in the single digits. So I think degrees temperature was in the twenties, but it was windy. And it was awful, and I think it was single digits. I'll tell you the one that really comes to mind, though. I don't know what the temp was. It probably wasn't that bad. But for some reason, uh, and it was one of, the, one of the worst games that I was a part of, the beatdown in Kansas City in the 03 oh, Big 12 championship dude, game. I was there. When, it was freezing. Oh, it was awful. Was it not? It was oh, awful. Oh, my gosh. Like, I don't know if it was because it was that cold or just because I felt so sorry for myself. And you know how, like, when things go bad or you're losing, it feels that much colder? If you would have told me it's negative 20, I would have said, yeah, it's negative 20. I remember being so cold on the sidelines. I have this memory. It's the only time in my career I can remember this. I was on – I think it was the first time I had, uh, you know, at a game, and I remember sitting there on the side, and I think I had Dan Cody to one side and Teddy Lehman to the other, and looking up at the scoreboard, we were just getting absolutely run, and it's the fourth quarter, and I remember I said to one of them, we don't have to go back in, do we? 
And that's the only time I can re- that I can remember not wanting to be in a game. <laughs> but it was so cold. I did not want to leave that heated seat. And I was really feeling sorry for myself. So I don't know what the temperature was, but that is the coldest memory I have losing in the 03 Big 12 championship to uh, the Kansas State Wildcats. That was that was incredibly cold. That's one of the coldest nights that I can remember uh, attending a game. The other cold one that I remember was the 01 Cotton Bowl versus Arkansas. Um, and I remember we had seats in the upper deck, and that was what, like a 10-7 to 7 game or something like that? But I remember being so cold, and the only thing that they had for sale was a blanket, and I'm using air quotes on a blanket that was – about the size of a towel that you would find in a hotel, and I paid 45 bucks for that thing because I was so cold at that time, freezing, watching uh, just a, a game that looked so cold and miserable to be a part of because it, it was just as bad in the stands, my man. I, I That was the next one that I was going to mention, and it, that game kicked at 10 a.m. Yes, it did. Remember. Yep. And so it was, it was New Year's Day. And they had spray painted the field <laughs> green yes. because everything was dead, and we looked like we looked like um, like aliens because we had like Martians. We had green all over our uniforms, everywhere. It was on my pants, on my jersey. It was everywhere. But unlike the, and it's probably why I didn't mention it because we won. Yeah, that's and right. Defensively, I want to say Arkansas did not even muster up sixty yards until offense. You can check it. But I think the box score, they had like 53 total yards. I want to say we had nine sacks in that game. I had two of those sacks. And I don't think they cracked the 60-yard barrier for total yards in the game. That was a, a pretty stellar defensive performance, if I remember correctly. That you are correct. So here are the numbers. Yes, nine sacks. Uh, two also by Roy Williams. Rocky Kalmus had two as well. There were uh, – oh, Roy, wait a minute. Rocky had 11 tackles. Yes, you limited them to 50 total yards of offense in that game uh, that day. <laughs> that And that's why – and it was, it was freezing. But I just have warmer, better memories uh, from that one than I do the 03 – uh, the 03 Big 12 championship. So, yes, those were – you were there. I, I'll tell you what, I'm sure you didn't love paying 45 bucks for a towel. No. But if it, if it made you in any way warmer, it had to be money well spent. It, it was, and that was uh, – I think that might have been like one of the first trips that I took eventually with my now wife, Dusty, and I think I might have ruined football for her at that point. Like I, because she has, she has never really showed much interest into going back to games live, and why? Quite frankly, I don't blame her. After I basically turned her into a popsicle uh, there in the upper deck there at the Cotton Bowl, so rough one, but uh, a good memory for sure. Signing day today, um, man. There's a lot of stuff that's that's going on, uh, but do you have a specific memory of what it was like for you on signing day? I I have I do. I have, uh, it's probably one of the best days of my life. Um, I mean, I think marrying my wife, my kids being born, draft day, but National Signing Day, I mean, that, a lot of the, the bigger events in my life, they happen because of that, that day, that opportunity. At the time, you know, I, I remember I, there was no fanfare. I think I was a three-star most people probably didn't even know who I was or much about me, but I, there was no media there. I think maybe the 
the Lake City Sun uh, of Lake Dallas might have been there to write an article and take a picture. But it was just myself, uh, my head football coach, my mom, my dad, and I think we signed at like 7 a.m. or as soon as you could back when you had to fax in your your NLI. Um, and at that time, nobody in my school had ever gotten a Division One scholarship from Lake Dallas High School. Uh, since, there's been several guys – uh, that haven't had a chance to go on the NFL. But at that point, I was I was the first. And, you know, just to get the opportunity to get school paid for, neither one of my parents went to college. Mm. I don't know if I would have gone to college if I didn't have that opportunity. I probably would have started working. And, you know, I, I put from the time about sixth grade, when I asked for a weight bench for Christmas, I, I had a, a very, very pointed focus. And it was to get a Division One scholarship. And – to get a chance to continue to play the sport that I loved and to get a chance to get school paid for was biggest thing in my life. And a lot of hard work uh, from myself, my parents, and a massive opportunity that is still paying dividends to this very day happened. And that was close to 21 years or 22 years ago. And I just so thankful and grateful for that day. And it's, um, and that's why I always get excited this time of year. And I know it's changed and it's different. And there's NIL now that goes with the NLI and there's people that ought to hand ring and people get upset, but man, so many people, whether it's Oklahoma or it's Tulsa or it's Oklahoma state, or it's smaller schools than any of those, there's so many uh, young men that are playing football, that have had dreams and aspirations and goals to get a Division One scholarship. And a lot of those goals and those dreams become realities today. And I take myself back at almost 40 years old to where I was sitting there as a 17-year-old kid and just how that it changed my life. And I'm, I love this day because I know – there's going to be some horror stories and we're going to talk about some and people are, are probably very upset with the Oregon ducks right now. And <laughs> last year was Texas A&M and all these different things. That's fine. We can get into that. That's part of what we do, but there are thousands and thousands of kids and families that have had a dream, have had a goal, have had a vision and that becomes a reality today. And I love that aspect still about what college football is and what this day is all about. Yeah, we focus on so many times, Dusty, on the wrong elements, right? I mean, we focus on so much of whether it's a negative or even in some ways you can spin a positive of, of, of a potential NIL deal. Like, we focus on too much of that, and we just don't take time to understand what an absolute game changer and what dreams have been accomplished uh, so far and all the hard work that's been put in. What about mom and dad that have been driving you around your entire youth career trying to make games and the sacrifices that everyone's made? Like the further we get away from just thinking about the true element of what this day means for so many, it's a little bit sad, honestly. I wish we could focus more on the good quality stories like that. It's unfortunate, man, because it, it, it's what it's about. And I don't expect every fan to acknowledge or appreciate that. I'm sure Oklahoma State fans want to know, why are we in the 60s? This is ridiculous. We should have a top 25 class. And I'm not here to tell them that they shouldn't feel that way. And there's going to be Oklahoma fans that, why didn't we get Peyton Bowen? This is ridiculous. We can't get over the hump. But I've been fielding text messages from friends that have been saying that 
throughout the day, and that's fine. And that's part of what's great about our sport. We've got passionate fans. That's, that's why I love living in the state. We've got we got passionate fans that love their their universities, their programs. They want to see them at the very top, and we we should embrace that aspect of it. But if you can distance yourself from that, and you can really try to take a a more wide scope and just have an appreciation for how many great, you know, how, how great of a moment this is for so many people that maybe a two-star, maybe a three-star, maybe a no-star, but they get this opportunity, they get this chance. And some of them are going to make the most of it, some of them are, but this is the day where it becomes a reality. All that hard work, all that time spent by you, your parents, your grandparents, whatever it may be, however it was that you were able to get to point A to point B and to, to put yourself in this spot, Today's the day that all that comes together. It's reality, and I, I love that aspect of it. So enough about romancing about <laughs> the good parts about yeah. signing day. Let's let's get into the bad. So and those darn uh, Oregon Ducks. Bullet. Yeah, those darn Ducks because yeah. they got another one. They just flipped another four star. This time a uh, running back that had been committed uh, to Notre Dame, uh, Jaden Limar. Uh, five foot nine, one hundred and twenty pounds from Lake Stevens, Washington. Uh, Oregon's having, as they say, a day so far uh, on National Signing Day. Dusty, I mean, flip after flip after flip, and man, Mario Cristobal did a terrific job as far as recruiting. And I know it maybe it didn't show it in Game One versus Georgia, but I was telling Matt this earlier. You go and look at what at Mario had done there prior. He, he did it the way that I like it, which is build inside out. I mean, they went and really spent some significant amount of time recruiting defensive linemen and making them and having a tough element uh, built into them. And now Landing has all he's done is taken it a step further with today. This is a heck of a run right now that the Oregon Ducks are on. It, it is. And, you know, and Dan Landing has clearly had a nice first season, did a really good job, and he's still a young coach. And if you know much about him in Georgia, he's a he's a tireless recruiter. Uh, he's all about the recruiting, and I think you know kind of a whatever it takes mantra mentality. And he gets that from Kirby, um, and that we saw a little bit of that last year, but it's really paying dividends this year. I, I've got a little bit of of, of intimate knowledge, um, and I can just say that based off of uh, relationships that I have, and and people that I know very well, good friends that have gone through the recruiting process and have children at Oregon that signed last year. Uh, I will just say that Phil Knight has done, as we all know, very well for himself. <laughs> and, and Phil Knight has set up a collective there that he is not directly running, but is funding. And it, it is set up to, as long as we have the rules the way we are, give Oregon an unbelievably good opportunity to be at the top of college football for a very long time. And, you know, it's, it's all in the up and up. Nothing's illegal about it. Uh-huh. I mean, it is all above board. It is all legal. But I can tell you they've got the financial backing and financial means to get just about anybody uh, that that's what they're after. Right. I mean, because for a lot of kids, it doesn't matter. You want to go where you want to go. And there, there's probably an, an NIL deal set up at that place. You may be able to get more from Oregon. But for some guys, you know, that's not necessarily what they're looking for. For other guys, they want to go where it's top dollar. Or they, and, and again, I don't want to sell Dan Lanning short. 
again, I know that parents really like the guy. He's an excellent recruiter, but they've also got financial backing that not many people do. So I think that's what we're seeing a little bit of here today. Um, and again, I'm not, I, I'm not here to say that it's wrong or it's dirty. It's the reality of where we are in college football currently. And, you know, this isn't the first time that we've, you know, A&M was the team last year. And, and years prior to that, we've always – we've been talking about bag men for 30, 40 years in college football. I mean, this isn't new that players, you know, go to a place that they're going to be able to get the most compensation. But now that it's legal and they've got a guy – who's getting up there in age and would love more than anything else to see Oregon win a national championship. I think that uh, we're starting to see um, some of what they've been able to set up with the proper financial backing really take hold and really make a massive impact out there with, uh, with what we're seeing with this recruiting class. So, and again, I, I don't, I understand Notre Dame fans are probably irate and I get that Oklahoma fans, there's a lot of them thought that, they were going to get Peyton Bowen. And David Hicks is still out there. And mm-hmm. I know he's committed to A&M and Oklahoma. Would, and it'd be great. I would love to see David Hicks in a Sooners uniform. Uh, but don't be shocked if it's Oregon. He, he announces and decides he's going to on Friday. Um, I'm not saying that I don't have any inside knowledge, but would it surprise anybody at this point, given what we've seen them be able to pull off uh, here uh, on this, uh, on this first day of national signing day. So it's, it's just a reality of where we are in, in 2022 heading into 2023 as it relates to, to high school recruiting and the transfer portal, man. And that's why I'll say it. Like it's not the end all be all. You're still going to be able to get guys without having to pay them um, crazy amounts of money. But when you can offer uh, a excellent program coaches that are energetic, that can create relationships and uh, you know, facilities that are second to none. And Oh, by the way, you can offer uh, a legitimate, real quality deal as well. It's they're going to be tough to beat on the recruiting trail. And we're seeing, I believe, we're seeing that here today play out in Eugene. Well, and it it creates so many well questions and then anger by different fan bases, right? Because Venables was asked about that today at about how uh, their collectives and NIL deals incorporate into. Uh, what they're doing there at Oklahoma, and you you have firsthand knowledge of that as well. And Venable's idea and how the university is set moving forward is a different concept and a different idea. You have to have firm faith, and I don't think any of that's ever wavered from Venable's. Like he has a plan in place, how he wants to implement that, and then also the type of character that he wants on campus in general. It's not just a hey, we're looking for this copious amounts of money to pay everyone here. They're doing it in a more specific basis on it. And then that creates sometimes anger that they're not doing enough from a fan base. Just because you may feel that way doesn't mean that behind the scenes, they're not trying to do everything that they can with what they feel is right and the best for their, for their program. That's, that's extreme. That's perfectly said pop. Like that, that's the truth. Like, and coach Venables isn't, you know, first of all, I'll just be the first to tell you, you know, Oklahoma is doing the, the the collectives and Crimson and Creams kind of stepping in. They're doing everything that they can to, you know, you know, raise funds and generate revenue. But I'll just be honest with you. It pales in comparison to what a lot of other places around the country have set up and, and have coming in. That's one side of it. I don't even know if it mattered, though, because Coach Venables, I've had a lot of conversations with him. He's not into that. Yep. I'm not saying he's not into – 
players being able to monetize off their NIL or that not being a part of it. But he's not looking for players that are looking just for the top dollar. He's not looking for guys that that's what it's going to take to get them there is being able to – and he's not going to be anybody that's going to get into some kind of bidding war. And, again, I say he's not. We know that the collectives are the ones that are actually negotiating a lot of these deals, but I think it's pretty safe to say that there's direct communication between these staffs and these collectives, and that's going on all across the country. So, you know, whether it's the – these coaches aren't negotiating with these players. It's done – a lot of these players have agents or lawyers or – Maybe it's a family person who's negotiating with these collectives. And, but I, just, I can just tell you, that's not the way Coach Venables rolls. Um, and right now, they have that's the number seven recruiting class in the country. Seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think only one time um, Lincoln Riley had a better recruiting class than that. I believe USC sitting several spots behind Oklahoma right now. They're at 13 or 14. And that's not to take a shot at them, but everybody's going to be bound to shape of what they don't have. I would argue – why not focus on what you do have? I believe per two four seven, they got seven top one hundred players. Yes, I mean you got some you got some outstanding players doing it your way, the way that you feel you need to build a foundation, you need to have a culture, and I think that you can do it that way. And I know Brent Venables believes he can because they did it the right way. They did it with that mindset pre nil. They're at Clemson. And I want to say in their two national championship teams, they only had a handful of top 10 recruiting classes in there. So I get it, man. Everybody wants the best recruits. And there's a reason that Georgia is where they are. And Georgia's had, I believe, at least a top three recruiting class every year Kirby's been there. I I fully recognize and understand all of that. And what I like to see Oklahoma as an every year top five recruiting class, absolutely. But if that means that this staff is going to have to get into bidding wars to secure those top players, I don't think that's going to happen. And personally, I'm okay with that. If that's the philosophy and that's the belief and that's the way Brent Venables wants to operate, then I'm I'm in full support of that. I still believe there's enough quality and excellent players out there to go around that you can still achieve your goals, get to where you want to go, and do it the way – Coach Venable sees he wants to do it. And I know that because he's competing against guys, people out there that aren't doing it that way, and he's still sitting there with the number seven recruiting class in the country. I, what, he was hired last year in December, and what they close with, a top ten class a season ago? Yeah. And here they are sitting at number seven. Like, the, the guy knows what he's doing, and he is, he is going to tell you this, and it's just the truth. He is much more about relationships uh, than he is about acquisitions. He wants to develop relationships. He doesn't want to acquire talent. He wants to develop the relationships um, through, through, through. He wants to acquire talent through relationships, not through transactions. This is going to be a, a program that's about it's relationship driven, not transactional driven. Is NIL a piece of that? Absolutely. In today's college football, it is going to be. But is that the end all, be all? I, it's not going to be. And. For fans that don't understand that, that can't wrap their head around that, I, that's okay. Um, I would just say give it some time and let's see exactly how this whole thing plays out. But I, I don't. The fact that people are upset today about the number seven recruiting class in the country has me shaking my head and scratching uh, my noggin a little bit, man. I, I don't quite get it because there's some really good what could be foundational pieces in this class, including 
what some people think is the best quarterback in uh, coming out of high school this year in Jackson Arnold. Yeah, and a uh, and a five star defensive end as well. The first time since 2016 that they've had one on that side of the ball. And you know, to change gears for a second and, and focus now on Stillwater, the same complaints that you typically hear this time of year about Gundy and his class. And the first thing I heard today was like, oh, my gosh, it's all three stars. I'm like, well, wait a minute, right? First of all, okay, I I understand that you might be a little upset, but for crying out loud, Mike Gundy, as much as anyone, the equity that Mike Gundy has been able to build up in 18 years as head coach, what have we learned about Mike Gundy's tenure? One, he talks about cowboy culture the entire time that he's been there. Two, he's perfected it in a way. And three, I would argue that Mike Gundy in the Big 12 Conference, from a developmental standpoint and the staff that he has there, develops three-star players and four-star players and even lower just as well as anyone else that we've seen in this conference. Look at the guys that move on to the next level. Look at the guys that have other opportunities now available to them in the transfer portal because of the development that's happened in Stillwater. He can turn players into quality players there no matter what their star status is. So he's not deviating anything, Dusty, from what has worked for him for 18 years. They're a developmental school. He'll be the first to tell you. Would they love to be able to bring in a bunch of four- five-star recruits, absolutely. But that's why Rob Glass is as good a, as good a strength conditioning coach as there is in the country. I mean, and that's why so many guys point to Rob Glass. And if you talk to Mike Gundy, he'll be the first to tell you that is such a key piece and part of the fabric of Oklahoma State football. Um, and they develop players at an extremely high level. And I, I completely agree. They've got an identity, they've got a mindset, they've got a culture, and Mike Gundy will be the first to tell you, like, we have to be able to develop players. We have to be a tougher, more hard-nosed team that's going to fight. We, we have to, you know, do all the little things the right way if we're going to compete at the top of college football. And the results are there, man. They're tried and true. Like, so at this point – Again, you're never going to make fans completely happy. And, every, you know, fans are always going to want more and be upset when they don't get more. But I, I trust in the, the you know, vision. I trust in the way Mike Gundy has conducted himself and he's run this program because the proof is there. And I, I, I look at this class and I don't know, I mean, like, Floors, the quarterback out of Nebraska. I think he's listed as a, as a three-star. So mm-hmm. I know this. They love him. They think he's a great player. They think he's got a chance to be a big-time college football player. I was a three-star. I was one of those guys. I was a, I was a nobody. Um, and so I'm, I guess I just believe in staffs that know how to develop, squeeze the orange, and get the most out of it, that they're going to be just fine. And there's a 17-year track record now that you should believe, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, that Mike Gundy, his staff, Rob Glass, they know exactly – what they're doing and this class though we look at it right now and there's going to be a lot of players that aren't necessarily household names within two or three years there's going to be plenty that are household names and uh last one ask texas about recruiting classes and lack of development because it's not it hasn't been the fact that they haven't had talent on that campus i mean they were a 10-year stretch there good recruiting classes they just had a very difficult time of developing anyone outside of a handful of players that's why the development part of this matters as much as anything i could take you back and i could show you over the last decade 
the amount of top 10 recruiting classes that Texas has had, and you would go, wow, that should be a top 10 team year in, year out in college football. And I believe in that time frame they've had one 10-win season compared to Oklahoma State that, I, you know, it, they've had multiple. So to your exact point, like, it's give me a staff, a coach that has a true identity, has a true culture, and has a staff in place that is going to develop the talent they get on their campus every single day over anything that is just going to bring in talent. Talent is great, and it's awesome to have. But if you can't develop talent, you have nothing. And there's no better case in point than what we've seen over the last 10 years in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and, what, three different coaches now down there in Austin. It's, it's the perfect illustration of why you should give Mike Gundy, his staff, the benefit of doubt, and just believe they know exactly what they're doing and they know how to get the absolute most out of the players on the roster. Bust out the parka, my friend, uh, for that uh, cold wave that's coming through. Uh, I greatly appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for the extra time today and uh, jumping on a few minutes on early. Absolutely, man. You guys stay warm. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. That's Dusty Dvorak joining us here via the Oklahoma Ford Dealers Hotline here on the Blitz 1170. Timeout. We'll come back with more next year on the Blitz. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.